Hi, and welcome to One Little Candle, a place where genuine believers are encouraged, empowered, and inspired to be the light that God calls us to be by contending for the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his people so that we may pass down undefiled the truth of God's infallible word to the next generation. And in case you're thinking that you can't make a difference in your own little corner of the world, yes you can, because all it takes is one little candle. I'm your host, Rebecca Bershwinger. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Are you looking to plan a trip to the Holy Land? Because if so, you're going to want to hear this. The Christian podcast community is planning a trip to Israel for next year. It's going to be February 20th through March 4th, 2023. So it's a 13-day trip. And on the trip, you're going to be joined by CARMS, Matt Slick, Striving for Eternity's Andrew and Yim Rappaport, Mormonism Research Ministries, Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson, and Biblical Archaeologist Joel Kramer. So a lot of great, wonderful, knowledgeable people. And I've gone on their website and read the details about the trip, and I have to tell you, they are going to some amazing places, places that you will definitely not want to miss. So log on to 2023israeltour.com for pricing information and the travel itinerary as well. Added bonus, if you sign up, before May 31st, you get $100 off the trip. And I highly suggest not putting it off if you really want to go because these slots do fill up fast. So again, 2023israeltour.com. That's 2023israeltour.com. And sign up by May 31st and get $100 off the trip. Hello to my fellow candles, my fellow lights in this world. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today I have Will and Angela Williams of the Salty Saints podcast back with me. And we're going to chat a little bit today about naysayers. The dictionary definition of a naysayer is one who denies, refuses, opposes, or is skeptical or cynical about something. And I think we have a lot of people who very much fit that category within the church when it comes to the end times and the fact that we are now at the end, the tail end, I firmly believe, of the end times. I hope it doesn't seem as though I'm, as the saying goes, (laughs) beating a dead horse here on the end times and and the tribulation. And friends, if we're seeing signs of the tribulation, its shadow being cast upon our lives right now, then we also know for sure that the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is also very, very near. But the signs that are happening right now, what's going on, everything unfolding and converging biblical prophecy right before our eyes. It cannot and should not be denied. But yet many who claim the name of Christ are kind of turning a blind eye to it. Um, maybe it's uncomfortable. They don't want to go there. It's, it's too much to think about. Um, maybe their hearts are not really truly right with God. And so that can be intimidating for them. 
But I really, in my heart, believe strongly that as Christians, we need to be sounding the alarm. And I'm hoping to be able to equip others to to sound that alarm through this this podcast and some of these episodes. So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to focus in this episode, Will, Angela, and I, a little bit on the tribulation and specifically the Antichrist, because... Yes, they have been saying for years that we are in the end times, right? But there were a lot of questions that needed to be answered as to how things, at that point, you know, many years ago, there were things that weren't possible yet for the Antichrist to be able to rule. And and not just to rule, but to be able to rule in the manner in which the Bible says he will, and that is over the entire world with such complete and total control over people. But with technology and all these other things that are coming together, the stage is now set. He now has the capability. And what I'm referring to specifically right now is Revelation chapter 13. Now, Revelation 13 talks about the Antichrist, also known as the beast. And and it talks about the false prophet as well. So please read Revelation chapter 13 through when you have the chance. But I want to focus on verses 16 and 17 that say, Also it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is the name of the beast, the number of its name. And verse 18 goes on to say that it's the number of a man and his number is 666. I want to really focus on the buying and the selling. Um, here in this intro, because I have something, something that I find quite amazing that I am about to share with you in just a few moments. Because one, all this time, all these years would have had to ask, how can that be? How can one man, first of all, rule the world with all these other powerful sovereign nations how is one man going to rule the world? People wouldn't stand for that, right? But but how could he do it with what technology would he have to do it? Well, there really hasn't been any in place. It's been slowly building. But there was always one one thing that just wasn't there and that was the ability to control people's money, the ability to control the markets. Because there's always been cash, first of all, right? Really hard to track, really hard to trace cash. So it really has not been possible for the Antichrist to rule in that fashion where he would be keeping people from buying or selling. Before we go into my conversation with Will and Angela, I'd like to share something with you. It's an article I found online it's called CBDC Caution. Now, CBDC stands for this, Central Bank Digital Currency, CBDC. It's written by City Journal, and you can find it at City 
cityjournal.org. City Journal um, is a conservative magazine. It's not, as far as I know, or to my knowledge, a particularly Christian magazine. Okay. But it's very interesting what it shares in here about this new CBDC or central bank digital currency. Right now, we use credit cards, of course. We use cash. Um, we use checks. These are ways of moving money from point A to point B, right? Paying people or receiving pay. And you have middlemen in between point A and point B. You have um, banks and credit unions and all these um, all these other institutions that we go through to move cash, to move money, to move our currency around. So according to this article, a CBDC system is something that would be radically simplified um, when compared to the way in which we move currency now. You, a customer, would open an account directly with a country's central bank, and that central bank would issue digital money into your account. And using something as simple as a smartphone app or other tools, the customer can then initiate direct transactions between federal accounts. So the CBDC is, is the central bank that's going to have absolute control over not just your money, but the rules and the regulations that will determine the use of your money. And they have the technology already to enforce that. Now, let me just backtrack and say President Biden on March 9th signed an executive order, if you don't know this, directing the government to begin developing this central bank digital currency. So that's already in play. But here's what the City Journal does a great job at um, conveying as far as the downfalls or the risks associated with something like CBDC. And it says here, CBDCs have another unique feature that opens up a huge range of alarming possibilities that even the central banks may not yet have fully considered, their inherent programmability. It says here that the Fed could directly subtract taxes and fees from any account in real time with every transaction or paycheck if it wished. So there could be no more tax evasion, which is wrong anyway. <laughs> the Fed would have a complete record of every transaction made by everyone. Money laundering, terrorist financing, or any other unapproved transaction would become extremely difficult. Okay, that, that's a good thing, right? Fines such as for speeding or jaywalking could be levied in real time if CBD accounts were connected to a network of quote-unquote, smart city surveillance, nor would there be any need to mail out stimulus checks, tax refunds, or other benefits such as universal basic income payments. Such money could be deposited directly into accounts. But a CBDC would allow government to operate at much higher resolution than that if it wished. And so it goes on to talk about other methods of financial redistribution which would be tempting for our government to carry out. It says, why not assist minority-owned businesses with automatic subsidies or even change the effective price of any purchase based on the identity of who's buying it? In other words, if they don't like you when you're going to buy something, well, maybe the price is higher for you because you're an outspoken conservative or you're one of those, you know, Christian religious fanatics. And so then the article goes on to say that surely as many 
have already argued the central bank could be doing more to achieve equity. As the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco has contended, being race neutral is not enough on monetary and fiscal policy. Here's where your equity and critical race theory are going to come in. The woke ideologies will no doubt be completely threaded throughout this CBDC system. So more from the article here. Should people be encouraged to eat the foods decided best for them, such as a plant or insect-based diet? Well, CBDCs could do the trick. Should people be limited in how much they spend per week on carbon-intensive purchases? CBDCs could help with that, too. But the government need not only focus on individuals. Preferential treatment could also go to companies meeting environmental, social, and governance goals. Remember the ESG scores we've talked about? So they will use the ESG scores either for or against you, in relation to controlling your money. And at the same time, it says consumers could be nudged away from undesirable organizations and businesses. Why not collect additional fees for transactions with risky businesses or charities that have low ESG scores or slow down their transaction speed to allow for greater, quote-unquote, verification? So if you're a risky business, again, if, you know, deemed risky by who? A government with woke narratives, a government that controls your money digitally, okay? Um, If you're considered risky because you don't go along with the false narratives, in other words, you stand strong in your faith, um, you could have additional fees for conducting your transactions, In fact, it says, why not create comprehensive credit scores based on behavior and number of connections with risky individuals and organizations? It would be a logical next step. So if you're even connected to someone who they deem as risky using the lens of their woke ideologies, you you will be negatively affected. And it goes on to say, and if it were ever really necessary, if protesters were honking truck horns too many times in a row, say, then the most dangerous individuals or organizations could simply have their digital assets temporarily deleted or their accounts ability to transact frozen with the push of a button, locking them out of the commercial system and greatly mitigating the threat they pose. No use of emergency powers or compulsion of intermediary financial institutions would be required It says many central bank reports explicitly pose this as a possibility or even an inevitability of market competition. Such a future would mean little limit on the possibilities of CBDCs. Goes on to say the CBDCs have the potential to become even more than a technocratic central planner's dream. They could represent the single greatest expansion of totalitarian power in history. Totalitarian power in history, never has there been any regime with such omnipotent insight into and control over its people's every transaction as what CBDCs may soon make possible. And yet this is the technology that seems likely to soon be smuggled into use in our societies in the name of convenience, social justice, and patriotism, says this article. I know this is a long entrance here into this episode, and I'm going to break it apart into two parts in the interest of people's attention spans. But do you understand where I'm trying to go with this and sharing this with you? 
The Antichrist will decide who buys or sells. And this is how. It's here. It's here. And it's imminent. We are losing our cash because of, well, there's many reasons for it. There, it's the war is one of them. Um, the war with Ukraine and Russia and the desire for, again, control, right? One world government. Um, it's probably not going to end up being a national CBDC. It's going to be a global, a global one. And our leaders are crying out for global government. Um, people are crying out for someone to come and to bring all their problems to a halt. A man with a plan, as is often said. So, yes, to say that somehow today, right where we're sitting here in real time, is the same as it was many years ago when people were saying we're in the last days. I disagree. It is different now. Everything's ready. The state of the church, the state of society. And the technology for everything that is prophesied in Revelation to be carried out. Never, never before in history has that been true. And one last thing I'd really like to mention here is that um, everything that you see going on in the world of politics, society, everything that's going on is at the core spiritual. It's a spiritual battle. It's a battle between good and evil. So in order to talk about this battle, we sometimes have to talk a little bit about what's going on in current events or in politics. It all ties in together. But anyway, I'm done <laughs> with my really long intro. So here we are, part one of End Times Naysayers. Okay. Hey, Will and Angela, how are you today? We are good. How are you? Thank you so much for having us back again. Hey, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> good. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming back. Um, yes, I introduced you again, Salty Saints. Um, for those of you that have not heard it, our previous episodes, Will and Angela Williams, we'll talk about where you can find them at the end of this episode so you can hear their podcast as well. Excellent podcast and excellent blog. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about you guys toward the end. But yes, I'm so glad that you have agreed to come back. Um, we're going to talk a little bit today about naysayers, right? Or naysaying. Is naysaying a word? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is now. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we gathered together to, um, oh, gee, I sound like I'm doing a, officiating a wedding ceremony <laughs> together. Um, no, but so we, we've come here, we're collaborating again to talk a little bit more about the end times. And as the three of us have talked before, when we discuss the end times with people, and those of you listening, you've probably come across this, but we get naysayers. And I guess what's disturbing is most of the naysayers seem to come from within the church, the body of Christ, those who claim the name of Christ. And so it's a little alarming, given all that's, that's happening when you compare current events with scripture, right? Yeah, for sure. It is very alarming. 
Yeah, most definitely. And I know people say, as the saying goes, well, they've been saying that we were in the end times for years, for hundreds of years, for thousands of years. Yes. Okay. I, I will give them that. People have been saying that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, we didn't know how long the end times was going to encompass. Um, I mean, Jesus came over 2000 years ago, ascended wow. back into heaven over 2000 years ago and the end times were ushered in. But here we are now over 2000 years later and we're talking more of the end of the end times. Yeah. Um, for, for people to have said, well, we were, and I don't know what they mean by end times. Maybe they don't mean what we do as when what we're talking about today is the end of the end times. But in order to have said that many years ago, to think that it was just so close at hand, the return of Christ, there were a lot of questions that you could not answer that needed to be answered, given what the Bible shares with us about the future end time events. That now, as the three of us sit here talking, these questions can be answered. Yeah. Right? We we now have the answers. So that's what we're going to focus on in this episode. Um, we'll focus a lot on the Antichrist because a lot of the technology for the Antichrist to rule is now in place. But we've got some other things we, we'd like to talk about. Two And one of those things is the state of the church and the state of society at the time of um, the tribulation. Will and Angela, what do you feel is the state of the church right now? <laughs> well, <clears throat> that's, a, yeah, that's yeah. a hot topic question for us yeah. because we talk about the state of the church on our podcast a lot. <laughs> hmm um, it's lukewarm at best, uh, the state of the church. The church right now is too worried about minor things that they've made into major things. And they're not thinking about the whole reason why the church is on the earth. And that's to bring the gospel to the lost and to, and to be prepared for things that are going to be coming up so that we will be victorious and not be not cowered back. Um, I believe that is the the purpose, but yet the church right now is not showing that. The church at the moment is showing something that looks more like the world than looks like um, what Christ showed us and modeled for us when he was here on earth. Yeah, the church is asleep, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not awake to these events that we're talking about that we see, uh, shaping up, you know, all of the things that, like you just said, the technology and, um, just the things that are playing out on the <clears throat> world scene. Um, I think the majority of the church has their head buried in the sand. Um, they, there's not a sense of urgency for the gospel, for the lost for Jesus himself, it's more about, um, you know, checking off your box that you attended a Sunday service and, um, got fed in quotes, uh, your, your weekly message and went home to continue about your, your week, um, pretty much oblivious and ineffective for the kingdom until the next week when you go and you do it all over again. Um, 
that is not what we see modeled in the early church. And when we saw, you know, signs and wonders and miracles taking place, and I mean, the disciples turned the world upside down for Christ. And we Mm -hmm. are told that in the end days, that kind of power is going to be back on the church. Um, Do you see that anywhere in today's modern church existence? I don't. And I believe it's setting up a a very uh, easy way that the Antichrist is going to cause uh, great deceptions that's going to happen during, um, you know, during this time. Because right now we're looking at the moment that we live in, right? This time that that the church is living in and the church itself is should be pointing to the cross, right? We already said that, but it's also, we should also be running. And we said this on your podcast last time, I believe is that we should be running into the the building that's on fire. You know, we should not have any concern for ourselves, but have all the concern for the ones that are in need. And um, I believe the church, you know, it has failed at that. And so I believe this, the Antichrist, this system, and also not just him, but the system itself is going to show, it's going to bring that out um, here pretty quick, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the reason that the church isn't pointing people toward Christ is because how, well, how can you, if you've become part of the culture, right? We're supposed exactly. to set the standard for the culture and instead we're interwoven with it. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of the church and that's so very um yeah, i think the old testament that. called it spiritual adultery yeah. you know mm-hmm. um you know a lot of times god referred to israel as a prostitute and um and so i believe the church has mimicked that uh of the of israel that we have adopted the pagan world into the system instead of us going out into the world to uh to make it known that you know christ is king We've invited in the Antichrist system into the church to say that, you know, we like this better. Yeah, well, you see the spirit of Antichrist going on right now in in many ways. For sure. Um, and what was I just going to say? Um, I just lost my train of thought here. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, no, Will mentioned the great falling away. And I feel as though we're seeing that now. Yeah. And one of the things, and I think I've mentioned this before with, with you guys is the deconstruction movement, which is really growing. Yeah. It's become a, a whole church of its own. These ex, what do they call them? Ex-angelicals. Um, but cause I, I follow some of them on social media just to keep up on what they're saying and what their beliefs are. And it's, it's, um, heresy. Mm-hmm. They are apostates. And when you see that movement growing <laughs> the way it is, it's, it's concerning. It's, yeah. it's very concerning. And look at all the churches that are flying pride flags, you know, oh um, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and on the social justice wagon. <clears throat> um, and a trip to Maine, most of the churches were like that. And I see some, there's many in our area, same thing. And I think, oh Lord, yeah, <laughs> how how tragic, how sad it is. And to me, that that's not a you know a, the church is the the gathering of believers that that believe in you know Jesus Christ and have a fear, a healthy fear of the Lord 
And um, that's not having a fear of the Lord. Yeah. You know, that's mocking God. That's, that is mocking yes. God. That's, oh, yes. You know, when you have a gay, you know, when you have the gay pride flag up, when you believe abortion is okay, and when you have all these social justice things, Black Lives Matter and all these things that are okay in, in this environment, then then they they've completely kick Jesus out because well, Jesus was you know, probably never there to begin with. That this is true also, but, <laughs> mm-hmm. but just the, just the atmosphere of it, of saying that they're a place where people gather to worship Jesus. That's, that shows that they're not, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's very confusing. Uh, that's a, that's blasphemy when it gets down to it, that they're blaspheming the very God that created them. And, and that's a place that people are supposed to meet Jesus at is very uh, disturbing. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we have such a, I mean, the whole system is failed, you know, and the message, the salvation message, um, everything that we give here in America, and me and Will were talking about this earlier, that it's really sad because um, we're, we're really, we're lied to. I mean, we did a, our last podcast message was the gospel according to Jesus. And we went through scripture and what Jesus himself said about following him, the cost of following him. Um, none of those things are given when you hear the gospel today, especially mm-hmm. in like a mass altar call type event or whatever. Um, you're not told that there's a cost to following Jesus. You're not told that you're going to lose possibly everything up to and including even your very life, your mm-hmm. your family, your friends, your um, status, your whatever. You may lose your career these days. I mean, there's so many things that you can lose for following Christ, but we know as born again believers that that none of that compares to what you gain when you are his child. True. Um, but it's just, I think it's a weak message and we have sent this weak message to all these other nations through missionaries and through, um, things that our American system has just corrupted so mm-hmm. much, so much of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a sad state and we are bearing the rotten fruit of that now because you've got all of these seeker sensitive people gathering in a building, you know, thinking that they have, have done something for the name of Christ. And really it's not even about Christ anymore. Yeah. They're in it for the benefits that they were told they were going yes. to, to get, you know, yes. Um, yeah, I know that's, that's a really good point, Angela. Absolutely. And as you're saying that I'm thinking about, um, I was just at a funeral recently, um, of someone from our small group who just passed away. Wonderful man, strong in his faith, but I I no longer attend that, that church because, well, we left it because there were no discussions from the pulpit about anything directly pertinent to today's society and culture and all the struggles that we're experiencing. Yeah. Not to mention even prophecy. But when I was there, now the pastor gave a wonderful sermon. He talked about salvation in Christ, but I just sat there thinking, and maybe I'm too harsh and critical and let me know if I am. because but, <laughs> We're the wrong ones to tell you that probably. <laughs> but, but, no, but I sat there thinking there's no mention of hell. Okay. Mm. The fact that not everyone goes to heaven, the man that passed away, if he didn't know Christ, he would be in hell right now. There was no 
use of that. And I know many of the people that are unbelievers, many of them sitting there thinking, well, everyone goes to heaven or many are mm -hmm. thinking, well, what does salvation in Jesus Christ mean? You know, it's great that he talked about, you know, this man had a wonderful relationship with God and he did. And he, you know, he told a little bit of his life story, but I just feel like we're leaving out. I, I think people should leave a funeral personally, a Christian funeral. They should leave their unbelievers uncom uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. about their it's eternal destiny and maybe even a little ticked off at the preacher sure. who gave the sermon. Um, and I just thought, you know, pastor, you're kind of beating around the bush. You're trying to give a message of salvation, but yet you're not really trying to wake people up out of their deception or their slumber. And I, I think a funeral is a perfect time to do that. Absolutely. I, I'm, I don't know. You know, well, I was, well, you, I was disappointed. Gotta, yeah. Well, you, you know, down here in the South, every, everybody gets preached into heaven here. Yeah. Everybody, I, I every, every many. funeral that we've ever yeah. attended, except for one, everybody is, you know, these people never served the Lord. These people didn't even have any kind of relationship with the Lord, but yet the preacher will preach that person into heaven. And, mm -hmm. um, and so there's no, no mention of hell, like you said. So, mm -hmm. um, I agree with you on it. That's why, um, I have never done a funeral and I don't think anybody would want me to do a funeral. <laughs> Because <laughs> that would pretty much be the message. Um, I probably would be, you know, I probably have something, a chair thrown at me or something because <laughs> it wouldn't be the right, you know, uh, they would think that would not, that's not the right time to talk about these things, but yet it's the perfect time that everybody's mind at a funeral is on the afterlife yeah. or if there is an afterlife. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I believe it's a perfect time for that. Uh, so I agree with you on that 100%. Yeah, and their minds on their own mortality. But I'm reflecting as you're speaking, Will, but I don't think I've ever been to a funeral where something like that was preached, ever. I I sat at funerals where they're preaching people into heaven. Mm -hmm. Good choice of words there. That's exactly what they're doing. So that's wrong. Yeah. Yes. And and just tragic. Um. All right, so we've talked about where the church is at. And let's talk a little bit about the state of society. Because obviously we're mm. seeing lawlessness and rampant sexual immorality and this woke, out of touch yeah. reality. We're seeing what the Bible tells us is, you know, exactly what we're going to see as what happened in the days of Noah. I mean, we're really seeing that play out before our eyes. Mm -hmm. Can't really imagine how how much worse it can get from here. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't imagine how bad things would be but let me put it this way it's the speed at which they're worsening yeah which oh, is man. shocking me it is um <clears throat> you, yeah go ahead will go oh ahead. no i was just saying you know when you look at the what is it the oscars this whole thing with will smith slapping, um, <laughs> yeah you know this whole thing with that you know they, they tried to redirect you to something else with this but regardless um i, I saw a video it was like a five minute video putting everything together of what's happening with the lgbt uh agenda and you know, Florida just passed a law about, um, about something. Not being able to teach it in school. Yeah. Not they're it they're the trying to dub gay. it the don't, don't say, say gay. gay bill. Yeah. 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 And the first thing that the Oscars did, the, the three women, because they were women up there and you, I'm going I'm to call them women. Well, that's what they addressed. They said, everybody in Florida, you know, I'm gay. You know, you know, they're saying that term that they said they can't say or, or teach there mm -hmm. and they, they mocked it. 
you know, yeah, and then yeah. within this video, it showed that and it showed all these schools in Florida uh, marching around in gay pride and, and they having these kids that are just going to this school that not necessarily probably has any opinion on it yet. They're not giving them an option to make a choice. They're just um, telling them that you're going to march and hold this flag up. You know, you're going to say this. And yeah. so to me, that's the state of America. I know um, if we're just yeah. going to talk about the world, but um, Ukraine has that same viewpoints. You know, when you're talking about Ukraine and war, mm -hmm. the war over there, uh, when you go to Germany, Germany has those same uh, view of homosexuality and LGBT. All, majority Australia has those same views. So it has spread across almost every country. Uh, Europe is really bad in yeah. itself. Um, yeah. So the state of the world with with sexual sin and want to indoctrinate the and children the, with it mm -hmm, as, mm -hmm. as young that's as, the most disgusting yeah. thing is that yes. it's in you know you had sent me a video from your area and then we saw one on the news from Austin all of these schools doing these gay pride. Black Lives Matter. With little children. With yes. little children. Angela, you saw the pictures I sent you this week of the books that I was reading yes. to my grandson that my daughter bought for the purposes of teaching. She's an ESL teacher, what they call ENL now. English is a new language. She bought it for the purpose of teaching kids about, because they're from other nations and their cultures are different, about embracing different things oh but what she didn't see was the picture of the two mommies yeah on the page that said be your own family and then the, the boy wearing the the boa boa there you know what i mean all dressed feminine and yes. she didn't see those things and she goes well that's not the purpose i bought i said but do you understand now how they're sneaking it in mm -hmm. to the kids it's it's repackaged under this little nice thing about, and the books are, honestly, if you took those pages out, they'd be great. Yeah. They'd be great. You know, talking about you have different skin color. You have, you know, there's there's different ways that people are and, and think, and, and that's what makes us us and unique. Right. Yeah. But, they, but could, they sneak in the LGBT. Yeah, it's, kind of like a, um, it's like a batch of cookies. Those cookies would taste really good if you take a little bit of the, if you only bake it with a little bit of arsenic and then take that out, those cookies would be great. You know, <laughs> I love that. That's, yeah, wow. That's, that's uh, quite the analogy. You know, I believe well. that's exactly what they're doing. Yes. Know? And then it got and me I investigating even more books and what, what I saw disturbed me. Yeah. That's going to be a podcast. I'm going to try to get a hold of someone about this subject because, um, what's on those bookshelves and those libraries and the schools disgusts me. I'm I'm yeah. sorry. It's it's just it's just horrible and it's it's so sad. It it's really is. So and sad. I know I'm sure y'all can remember and I know me and Will have talked about this a lot, but it's like back I don't know how old you are, Rebecca, but um for us I'm fifty seven. Fifty seven. <laughs> well I'm I'm forty and Will is forty seven. And so we can remember when, you know, I mean being gay was completely taboo. But you mm -hmm. remember in the nineties with Ellen and Rosie, mm -hmm. you know, those talk shows where mm -hmm. they started just like gradually bringing it in, you know? Um, and I'm sure there were times also before that, I'm just talking about for my age, like what I remember. Um, and it was shocking, you know, it wasn't at first, it wasn't acceptable, but then 
they started, oh, you know, Ellen is so likable and she's so funny and she's such a nice person and all this. And then, you know, before you know it, we get into the, the 2000s and you've got different sitcoms starting to bring it about more and more. I mean, now you can't, we can't even watch TV at night and without having a commercial with no, it's, a gay I, couple I know, in it, I know. you know, and it's I like, know. this I crap know. is shoved in your face every time you turn around and it's, I know. we don't want to see that. No? And, and, you know, maybe Ellen, I don't know Ellen DeGeneres, but maybe she is a sweet, wonderful, yeah. kind person. But she, like the rest of us, is a sinner in exactly. need of a savior. Exactly. And as sinners, we sometimes gravitate toward things that are destructive. Yes. That just aren't good for us, no matter how much our flesh wants it or says it's okay. That's right. And the whole thing is it's an abomination to God. Mm -hmm. So that's where we have to take our stance as the body of Christ, you know, is that the culture says being a homosexual is okay. The culture says murdering babies is okay. The culture oh, says, uh, you know, adultery is okay. All mm -hmm. of these things, guess what? God says none of those things are okay. God says those things are not going to permit you entrance into the kingdom of God. and so. We have to take a hard stance just as our God does and represent him well and call people to repentance and tell them, you know, the good news is that there is a savior who died to set you free from all of those things mm -hmm. and bring you into a relationship with the father. Mm -hmm. So. Amen. Absolutely. You know, Disney is, um, I watched a video on Disney. They had mm -hmm. a zoom call that got released that they didn't really want to get released yet. I saw about, that. You saw that? And I uh, it's, Disney hates the traditional family. Disney hates serving God. Uh, so, but they're indoctrinating the kids, yeah. you know, because yeah. they're, that's Disney Plus is a huge thing right now, you well, know. Just all the Disney movies throughout, you know, the ages. I mean, they're, they've always targeted kids and made movies that a lot of their movies have um, innuendos in them um, and stuff, you know, sexual things. So it's definitely, it's not a surprise that they're headed the route that they are headed with within the LGBT community and all of that. I think they're going to fit right in with the great reset. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I think they're part of that plan. Oh, they because, are. They yeah. are. So, the, along with most, most big corporations and mm -hmm. high tech and every, everyone's almost, it feels like almost, Everyone is in on it. Banks, insurance companies, governments. Um, yeah, society is in a bad place right now. I've said many times to, to people, I think we've gotten about as wicked as we can as far as society and our thinking in that we have usurped God's created order. Mm -hmm. Um, when you, when you deny your gender and you, try to, and you butcher your bodies and you try to be not what God created you to be. And you say that basically God has it wrong. What he decided you are at birth, or he has it wrong with deciding that marriage is between one man and one woman, you mm -hmm. know, that God got it wrong. And that we know better, like what more could you usurp of God's created order or his image, his image has been attacked. Yeah. That's, I think is as low as people can sink. I mean, well, maybe, but exactly. I, I think you of know? the Baphomet. You know who what the Baphomet is? No, the Baphomet is is a the goat figure 
that represents Satanism. It's half man, half goat, but also half woman. So when I say half man, half goat, it's a it has a goat head. It has both male and female genitalia. So it's a transgender. It's a transgender, and it's been oh, around satanic from from. So if that ever. doesn't tell you what you know, hmm. this transgender uh, movement that we're seeing, what's behind it? I mean, that it's well, the yeah, bath it's demonic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's demonic. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And and there's there's so many people just caught up in it, and it's it just breaks my heart, especially this younger generation that is being lied to and duped. So we're just going to break right here and have this be the um, end of part one. And I will be posting part two right up after part one. But listen, I know a lot of what we have focused on is negative, not happy thoughts, right? So I don't want to leave you listening to these episodes and feeling depressed or hopeless because there is hope, my friend. There's always hope in Christ, right? Look. We are not children of God's wrath, okay? We're just not. Jesus is coming for his people, for his church. Now, we don't know how much we have to endure until he comes. No one knows the day nor the hour. And there are disagreements within the church as to when Jesus is going to come for his church. I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Not everyone does, okay? But know this, that no matter when Jesus decides to come back for his people, God, okay, God is still who he says he is. That never changes. But we are to be looking up. We are to be looking for his return me, I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Christ. Okay? I'm looking for Christ. And that is who we are to ultimately be watching for is Christ. He could come at any moment, my friend. Are you ready? Is your heart ready? These things that we are discussing are to prepare our hearts to connect the signs for people to connect what's going on in our society, in the world, current events, much of it through politics, connecting that with biblical prophecy. And of course, there are many more signs than the things that we had chosen to focus on in this episode. But just know that he is coming back for us. He's coming for his people where we will be with him forevermore. There will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering. Everything that's wrong will be made right. All the evil in this world will one day disappear and it will be gone forever. And never will the children of God have any more sorrow. As it says in the Bible, God will wipe the tears from our eyes. There will be no more sorrow, no more pain. As a matter of fact, it's Revelation 21, 4 and 5, and it says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne and said, Behold, I make all things new. So I just wanted to leave you with that hope. If you have believed and trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
God loves you. You are not a recipient of his wrath. Jesus is coming back. And he is going to right every wrong. So be that one little candle, okay? Don't let your flame grow dim. Don't let the worries and the cares of this world threaten to snuff that out. Keep your flame burning bright for him. Look up in anticipation and know that your redemption draws nigh. And let that glorious expectation of the future filled with hope through Jesus Christ Let that be contagious. Let people see that emanating from you as well. Encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ. Get the gospel out there to those who need to hear it. Be about God's work, okay? Be about his work. And as you do that, he'll take care of your needs. He'll be about what you need. But trust him, have faith in him. Light the candles of your brothers and sisters in Christ along the way. Song for the day is called Jesus is Coming Back. It's on YouTube. I'll put the link in the podcast description. It's by a Jordan Feliz, F-E-L-I-Z. Great little peppy song, but I always get very encouraged when I hear the song on the radio. And I hope that it does the same thing for you. So part two will be coming up in just a couple of days. So I hope you'll come back and you'll join me and Will and Angela for that as well. So until next time, my friend, you take care and God bless.